Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode where we're continuing our journey, deep diving into anxiety, always a big topic. A couple weeks ago, I talked about the different brain regions that contribute to anxiety and the different things that happen in the brain when anxiety is triggered. And then last week, of course, I talked about the different areas that can be affected. I do want to talk more specifically today about the amygdala and the cortex, because they have a very special connection when it comes to anxiety that's really important to know. Now, definitely listen to two weeks ago if you haven't, because I do talk about, you know, I give a brief overview of the brain. I don't want to bore anyone, so I kept it short and sweet. But just for a quick recap, that amygdala sets off all those alarms in the brain, and it sets off that fight or flight response, and it creates a lot of anxiety our kiddos experience. And when it's really hyperactive, that amygdala, it can actually contribute to the panic attacks that that some of our kiddos experience. The cortex, that's the amygdala tamer, and it helps us to think rationally and logically and make good decisions and and helps kind of dampen down that amygdala to calm us down. Now, we talk about the prefrontal cortex as the control center of the brain because it's supposed to control our thoughts and our behaviors. And its main job really is to help us control our emotional responses so we don't get so stressed out and we don't overreact. So it's supposed to help us interpret the signals that the amygdala is sending out because the amygdala is just essentially taking in information from all of our senses, things that we smell, see, hear, touch. So it's taking in all this information. So our prefrontal cortex, it's supposed to sort of sort through what's actually, you know, something that we really need to pay attention to and and things like that. So it's, it's interpreting all those signals and it's supposed to tell our amygdala now, now, like that's not that bad. Just calm down, take it easy. Right. It's not the end of the world. So it's supposed to help us calm down, especially when it's non-threatening situations. But otherwise, if it's really, oh, there's a bear there. Yes, this is an alarm. We should probably back away now, get to safety. So that's what our prefrontal cortex is supposed to be doing. So if there is a threatening situation, that prefrontal cortex can help us calm down later on when the threat is gone. So when there's no threat, it's supposed to help us calm down now. When there is a threat later on, it can help us calm down. However, it's the last part of the brain to develop. And the amygdala, I've talked about this before, it's the oldest, strongest, um, fastest part of the brain. It can set off those alarms in a matter of milliseconds before we're even aware of anything happening. So the cortex, it, it, it often doesn't even realize that the amygdala has set off alarms. So it doesn't really have a lot of control over that amygdala, especially for our anxious children and teens, because that part of the brain is the last to develop. So that amygdala, it also has lots of connections with other parts of the brain. It's, it's very strong in that way. And so it's got all of these other connections, a lot of control, and it really affects our sympathetic nervous system. It really affects our hormones and it affects our cortex. We know that it can actually really weaken that connection with our prefrontal cortex. It's constantly taking in information from our environment every second, every millisecond. It's taking in all of this information through our senses, and it's immediately going to respond to any potential danger even before we realize there's a danger. It's kind of like when you've got a ninja reaction, you're like, whoa, I had no idea. Like, it's not until afterwards, right? You've probably had a very close call situation where maybe you were driving and you hit a patch of ice and and you just go into, you know, you get tense all of a sudden and you won't even notice, but your heart's going to start pounding, right? And you're quickly jumping into action to stop yourself from getting into an accident. But once you're safe again, you realize, what just happened. And that's when you can feel yourself shaking and your heart racing and maybe pounding in your head because it happened so fast. 
right? And so we need that to, to stay safe. The amygdala has to take over. It has to just control the brain because if we're thinking, oh my gosh, I just hit ice. Well, I'm going about 90 miles an hour. Well, that's really fast. 90 kilometers an hour. There's a, another car coming towards me. I could either put on my brake. I could even, I could let off the gas. I could run into this curb. Like by the time you're thinking about your options, you're, you're crashed. Right. And so our amygdala just has to let us just gets our body into motion to take over. And so it takes over that rational thinking part of the brain. And when it does, it totally takes over our thoughts and it gets us on, on to focusing only on the potential danger. And so anxious kiddos, they're often very sensitive to things going on around them because they're constantly on the lookout and they've got that really hyperactive amygdala. They're just always looking for danger and everything is a potential threat. When humans first started roaming the earth, there were lots of dangers. And we evolved over time and our brains had to evolve to help us survive by looking out for dangers. So there's some things that are hardwired into the brain, right? We might see things like babies. I mean, even just their taste, they don't really like sour vegetables when they're, when they're newborns or well, you're not going to give broccoli to a newborn, but when they first start eating solids, they don't really like things like broccoli because it could be poisonous. And so that's sort of hardwired into their brain, even for pref preferences for taste, they prefer sweet things because they're probably not poisonous, right? So that's definitely preferred, but other things that are sort of hardwired into our brain heights snakes, even spiders, because those things could kill us back in the day, right? When there were predators for me, it's cougars. It makes sense that I'm scared of cougars when I'm all alone up in the mountain in the springtime. <laughs> Another big one, it's, it's not belonging. That makes sense because if you weren't part of a caveman tribe, you were pretty much dead. You couldn't survive on your own. You had to have others. You had to be part of a tribe to survive. So social anxiety, that sort of makes sense too. Those things make sense because they have been a threat to humans since the beginning of our time. However, failing a test, not hardwired. Driving a car, not high hardwired. Flying a plane, well, maybe falling from a plane, but flying a plane, no, it's not hardwired. We didn't have planes back then. So we learn those fears. With the amygdala, it learns through association. So that means the amygdala, it pairs things together. And there does not have to be any rhyme or reason what it pairs with. You know, I know someone who had an accident and they were listening to Fleetwood Mac and the particular song initially became a trigger to panic attacks. Every time they heard that thought, that song, it reminded them they were flooded back by the accident. But guess what? Well, first of all, the song had nothing to do with the accident, but it was the song that was triggering that memory, that amygdala to set, start setting off the alarms. So the amygdala latched on to that song and created a story, even though the, the song had nothing to do with it. But remember, our hippocampus is right next to our amygdala, so it's going to hold on to that story really tightly. And then it generalizes so fast. So it wasn't even just that song anymore. It became any Fleetwood Mac song. And then it started to generalize to other bands and songs that sounded familiar, familiar or similar, sorry, to Fleetwood Mac. And so we see this huge generalization of the anxiety and we can see this learning happening, even though the song had nothing to do with the accident. That's what's setting off the alarm. I've also talked in the past about little Albert. He learned to fear rats. At first, he wasn't scared of rats. It wasn't hardwired into his brain. This is kind of cute, but it was paired with a loud sound to startle him. So he learned 
to fear rats. But it ended up generalizing for anything white and soft, like a cotton ball, he became scared of because it was, you know, small and soft, but it, it, it generalized to even other things like a fur coat, like a black fur coat he got scared of. And that's because the amygdala, it does not use detailed information. It doesn't look at specific information. Oh, I was turning left on a busy highway. That's, you know, what I need to look out for, or these little white rats. This is what the white rat looks like. It doesn't care anything that looks like that white rat or anything associated with the accident now becomes an association. So it processes information so fast, it can look at the details. And so it responds so fast, it can't look at the details, even before a thinking rational brain has even had a chance to realize anything's going on. So that could also help us look at all the facts of the matter right? That thinking brain is what helps us interpret all of the information and we can really start to look at it. But if the amygdala is already triggered and taken over, we don't have a chance to interpret that information. And so the amygdala, it's using really broad information, which makes it really easy for those fears to generalize. And so the amygdala, it can totally override the cortex. And so that results in big reactions to small deals and, and just reactions that don't make sense to the rest of us whose our cortex is activated. We can see the situation. Why are you freaking out? It's just a song, right? Because our cortex is working. We can interpret that information. We can see clearly the song for what it is. But when the amygdala takes over, like for me, I've shared the story of the dog. I was bit by a dog. I don't have any conscious memories of that, but boy, just did my amygdala remember. And so I was always terrified of dogs. And when we're dealing with anxious kiddos, once those alarm bells are rung, their cortex, it can't cope very well. And it just remains offline. It's hijacked. It can't take control of that amygdala. So telling them it's not a big deal or to calm down, that's not going to be helpful in the moment. And I know I've said that so many times, and it's a point that I always have to repeat because it's so hard for you know, especially adults and like parents or teachers to, to not say to their kiddos, but over time, our job really is to help that cortex stay online. And again, that's a point that I'm repeating over and over and over again, because any work that we do, that's the goal is to get that cortex to stay online, or at least get it back online as quickly as possible. So the amygdala doesn't run amok everywhere. Now, one thing to remember, and I know I keep planting these seeds, is that the amygdala learns through experience. So like the dog, right? I don't have to remember that situation when I was dog as a baby. I have no conscious memories, but that amygdala learned through that experience that dogs are dangerous. And it didn't tell me that it was a German shepherd. That's my, my, my hunch is it's a German shepherd, but I don't know for sure. So I think it's a German shepherd, but... I didn't have time. I don't even know. I was a baby. I don't even know dogs very well. Right. But, but it just became all dogs are dangerous. And it held on to that story until I could learn a new one. So experience is really important. The reason I say that is talking does not help with learning. So it's definitely something to think about. If you are talking with a kiddo for an hour, that's not going to rewire their brain. They actually have to learn through experience. Now, the amygdala is not the only thing that can trigger anxiety. We might start thinking something consciously in our cortex. 
that can affect the amygdala to set off the alarm bells as well. Again, our brain can't tell the difference between me worrying about doing well on a test or being attacked by a cougar. The amygdala's reaction is going to be the same. So the cortex can cause problems too. Even though it's meant to be the anxiety tamer, it can actually stir the pot a little bit. So the cortex, it can influence the amygdala to ring the alarm bell in a few different ways. So one, of course, is thoughts. Worrying about something that might happen in the future, you know, those anticipatory worries. I've got a young woman who worries about things that something that she might do now that might affect her 80 years into the future. So we have, you know, how do you learn from that, that it's not going to affect her? Cause she's like, I don't know, Caroline, it still might in 80 years, but sometimes it might just be a worry about taking the bus to school right now. So sometimes there are more immediate things where we can learn a little bit easier because maybe there's going to be a bully on the bus, or maybe there's going to be an accident, or maybe I'm going to forget my lunch on the bus, or maybe, 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 maybe. So even if it's just the short term, so it can be, it doesn't matter how far into the future, there's those anticipatory worries. Any chance that something could happen, that sensitive, anxious brain just kind of globs onto it and doesn't really let go. But sometimes it's not thoughts. Sometimes it's just pictures and images. And a lot of times kiddos don't even necessarily have a story. They don't even know what's going on. It's just these scary thoughts and they can't really articulate it. And I have a lot of my teens in particular who have really disturbing thoughts. And then a story comes along with it. So they're worried that something's wrong with them. And I can't tell you how many teenagers that have come to me since COVID this past couple of years. I mean, just worrying that they're having these, you know, what they say, crazy thoughts. And so they start to worry that they're psychotic or they've got borderline personality disorder or something like that. And, and a lot of it started with those really scary things that were that they were thinking about or pictures that they were seeing in their mind. And so then they really work themselves into a frenzy with these thoughts. And then they start to Google. And I tell you, Google is a very, very dangerous place for an anxious mind. And so they start to associate with all of those things. So that's another way. Now, so whether we are seeing pictures in our mind, worrying about the future, we might also remember something that's happened in the past that contribute to anxiety. So, you know, maybe I said something to a friend that I regret, right? So I'm thinking about that, or maybe something that I ate when I was pregnant with my daughter, did I cause my daughter's ADHD? I mean, that was something that I struggled with for a long time. Right. But, but then we often worry about the future. So, you know, if I had done something I regret now I'm worrying about the future repercussions of that. I remember once I stole a chocolate bar, I was I was just grade seven. So I must've been about 11 years old. I was a young grade seven and I have no idea why I was by myself. So it's not even like I, I have no idea why, but I do remember feeling terrified for the next few days, terrified. Every time the phone rang, I was sure it was going to be a cop. And I mean, I ran home. The store wasn't very close to home. And I ran home the whole time, terrified. And it was just like a little egg, like a little chocolate egg. And, and the phone rang and I, I was sure it was going to be a cop, right? And every time the doorbell rang, I'm sure it was going to be a cop coming to take me away. And, and, and then, you know, I went to school um, and I went to a bad, it was a bad junior high and we had police coming through doing drug checks all the time. And so of course, the next day, police were coming and checking lockers. Obviously, I actually threw the chocolate bar away. I did like the egg away. I couldn't even eat it. I was so terrified. But when, the, when I see the cops coming to the school, right, I start to panic. And so 
I know that it took a long time for me to really relax, to be like, okay, I didn't get caught. Nothing happened, but you know, it was really bad those first few days. So I'm just worried and worried and worried. But there, of course there's future, but just thinking about it and I was replaying and replaying. Why did I do that? Just beating myself up. Why did I do it? So every time I thought about that situation, it was gut wrenching and it never left. Here I am like 30 years later, more than 30 years later, I'm still talking about it. And I feel that gut wrench in my stomach. Like, why did I do that? It was so scary. And I never did it again. I mean, so it was always making me worried. And there's that gut wrenching thing from the past that I always worry about, you know, and I'm coming, it comes back to me to haunt me in the future. Mostly, you know, as I got older. Um, I wanted to be a police officer. And so I was always thinking back to what I had done because I was terrified I'd be rejected because I'd have to disclose that I stole the stupid chocolate bar. And I was so terrified of having to do a lie detector test to get onto the police service, you know? And so it was just terrifying, like even into university, this stupid thing that I did when I was 11 years old. So the lesson learned, I never stole again, that's for sure. But that incident really haunted me. So we can look at the different ways, you know, experience, or thoughts or different parts of the brain, it can all contribute to anxiety. The goal is to help calm that cortex down before the amygdala can take over, right? That's really incredibly helpful because once the amygdala triggers, we don't have a lot of control over it. So you do need to know when that cortex is starting to cause problems, which is why I wanted to talk a little bit more about the brain today to see, can we start differentiating between the cortex anxiety, the amygdala anxiety at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Anxiety is anxiety is anxiety. But if we can get that skilled that we can tell the difference and we can catch it before the amygdala is rung, I mean, that, that makes our work so much easier, but you do need to know once the amygdala is taken over, because our approach is going to be different. So things that you might be doing for the cortex, you're not going to be doing if the amygdala is taken over, right? You can't ever talk rationally to the amygdala. So that'll never work. So I'll leave it there for today. I do go into a lot more detail about those different pathways to anxiety um, in the anxiety training program. But I think that that's good just to kind of think about, you know, there's lots of different ways, again, highlighting that there's different parts of our brain as well that can really contribute to anxiety. So Goodbye for today. Go help those anxious kiddos be bold and courageous. And I will see you next week.